Dive with Strongstyle. Impact Media's weekly dive into the world of combat sports, more specifically and most of the time, MMA and pro wrestling. I am your host, Jeremy the Impact York. Welcome in. Show's a little later than usual, but hey, we have had a ton going on this week. Uh, here at Impact Media, obviously, we cover more than just combat sports. We uh, have been finishing up the rugby season, but still got a couple more weeks to go, even though our home team Atlanta is out. Plus, the PFL is in town, and we're going to be there tomorrow night. Depending on when you listen to this, I'm talking about Friday night. You can still get tickets. Go to pflmma.com. Uh, go to your favorite ticket place. I, you know, Ticketmaster, Seat Geek, all that. You can see this live, and you should. You should absolutely see this live. We'll get into the PFL in a minute. And we'll get into wrestling in a minute. But I want to start, oh, as I am prone to do, if you would, if you are so inclined to want to follow the show, at the Impact 99, we'll find myself and all the show notes on Twitter, Instagram, Triller, TikTok, all the uh, fun places like that. At Team Impact Media on Twitter, we'll have all just the, the show links and things like that. Uh, on Facebook, LinkedIn, practically anywhere, just search for Impact Media or Jeremy York. You will find us. And, of course, anywhere you find a podcast or on-demand audio as you like. Now, I want to start by talking UFC 275. UFC 275. I'm going to tell you, when the UFC loads up a card, it loads up a card. Yikes. Although I could argue, Bellator loads up a card, and the PFL, goodness. When we get into tomorrow night's lineup, oof. Well, let's start with UFC 275. Glover Teixeira defending his lightweight title against Yuri Prohaska. What a fight. What an absolute fight. Now, let's break this down a little bit. You've probably heard this other places, but I agree. I agree with this. You could say Teixeira held the big advantage, which he did. Teixeira probably had, I would say, at least three rounds of the first four. And Yuri probably had one. Now, I'm not saying it was complete domination, no. Prohashka was very much in this fight. He had many chances to end it, as did Glover. Instead, this thing goes all the way to the last 30 seconds. Glover's, Glover's 30 seconds away from, from not only joining or not only being an, uh, a member of the I Went Five Rounds Club. But he's going to probably win this at least three rounds to two, if not four to one. You could argue he was winning the last round. But Yuri Prohaska, I don't know if somebody told him how much time was left. I don't know if he saw how much time was left. But he said, I'm going for broke. I'm going for it all. I'm taking every chip I have and not only shoving it in the table, I'm throwing it into the middle of the table. Kind of frowned upon in a poker tournament, by the way. 
the Yuri goes for it. And not only does he go for it, he gets the submission. Yuri Prohaska, your new light heavyweight champion. Now, I know what you guys say. Well, we got uh, Jan Blachowicz, who's uh, waiting in the wings, who, who Teixeira took the belt off of. Okay. Yeah, I see that. We've got the uh, Akalaev versus... Anthony Smith as the number one contender. That's supposedly to, to be the next contender in. So, okay, there's three names. You've got to run this back. You've got to run this back. And it's not, oh, to, to make it right with, with Glover. No. These guys almost went five full rounds. you got to run this back. You you. This is 100% what you do. Here's what you do. Just what I said. You run it back in two and a half, three months. They do this fight again. And the winner of that gets Akalaev or Anthony Smith, whoever wins that. Jan Blachowicz, you just have to wait for the next shot. I very much think that's what you do. So we'll see what they're going to do, but that's that's 100% of what I would do. Absolutely. Yuri de deserved it as much as Glover does. Two people can't hold the belt in the same division. It just doesn't work. not how it works. There can only be one guy on top of the hill. Just the way the game works. But I think Yuri's going to be a great champ. If they run it back, gosh, it could go either way just again. But when they do, because it's not if they do, it's when they do, I very much think that, uh, or I, I don't very much think, I, I know we're going to break it down on here. But congratulations to Yuri in that one. I'm not going to go fight by fight, but I'm going to talk about uh, at least the three biggest. Let's go to the co-main event. The women's flyweight champ, Valentina Bullet Shevchenko, defends against Talia Santos. No, up until now, nobody's really blemished the record of a bullet. Valentina Shevchenko is arguably, she's got to be right there with one of the most complete, fun fighters in the history of the game. She's so well-rounded. There's so many different ways. Everybody's like, where's the flaws in her game? Well, we haven't really seen many. And then along comes Talia Santos. Talia gave her the, just pushed her to the limit, gave her the fight that nobody has before. There had there were times in this fight where it looked like Shevchenko was kind of considered like, is, is Talia going to get me here? And there were times that Talia was kind of looking like crap. Bullet's got me right here. I don't. I don't know what I'm gonna do. But these girls, these women, they're both champions. I mean, only one left with the belt, but they're both Valentina and Talia. They go the distance. Five rounds for 25 minutes. These two beat the junk out of each other. Many a times this thing could have could have been decided, but it wasn't. The only time it was decided was when they let a couple judges decide it. I think the judges got it right. Uh, maybe. I, mean, I don't know. You, you could kind. Of, you could kind of say there was. To me, there were two rounds distinctly that Shevchenko won, and two rounds distinctly that Santos won. And there was that other round that I mean, uh, didn't Talia kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of have Bullet right there? A little, but but then you could argue that maybe Bullet, 
people had 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 Santos, and and maybe she had a chance to take the advantage there. And I think we're in the same boat. You uh, you got to run this back because it was a split decision, which means even the judges weren't sure. Even the judges were like, ah, that one, you know, is it a. It's not throwing darts at the wall. There was actual, you know, factors they put into this to make these decisions. These these judges have a really hard job. So, congratulations, Valentina, who retains her women's flyweight belt. As loaded as that division is, uh, yeah, I think we we run that one back. If you wanna if you wanna put Yuri versus Glover and and Valentina versus Talia on the same card in about three or four months, okay, let's do that. Three or four months, so that'd be UFC 278, 279. I mean, I'm down. Aren't you guys down? I'm, I'm down with that. It's, it's two of the best fights I've seen in a while. So let's go to the third fight because it was incredible as well. We get to see the rematch of the fight that got me back into fighting. I've told that story before, but I will tell it again. Zhang Wei Li versus Joanna Jerzejcik. Or Joanna Champion, as Uncle Chael likes to refer to her. This was the fight. All right, years ago, I used to, I would go to uh, uh, wing places, places known for their wings, wing chains, you know. I don't want to say them because they don't sponsor the show. So, But I, I would go to those establishments. Sometimes I would meet up with friends. Sometimes I'd go by myself. Uh, I befriended managers and waitresses and waiters and cooks that work these places because I went to them so much. And uh, this is, you know, right at the time. This is right at the time when uh, the women's divisions were really kicking off for the UFC. Uh, Ronda was kind of making her big run and, uh, a lot of them around. And I just, I was on, I was watching the UFCs at these, at these establishments, having a good time like everybody. And there was a couple of the women's fights that were just so violent and so brutal. It was hard for me to watch. And, and it wasn't like, oh, it's so terrible. And, no, it was just, God, to see two beautiful women want to hurt each other so bad. It just, it, it, I don't know, it put me in a weird mindset. Maybe I was trying to find my way out of watching the sport. I don't know. This years ago. So I took a big break. I, I would watch some UFC here and there. You know, if there was a Connor fight or a couple other ones or a friend invited me to watch it at his house, I'd, I'd go do that. But uh, just, just kind of. It was, it was just, it was hard to get back into it. Maybe, maybe, you know, life things I had to get out of it. So let's fast forward to just a couple years ago when there was this thing called the shutdown because of the pandemic. There was just not a lot of sports on television. There was the UFC. There was marble racing on one of the four letter platforms. And uh, cornhole, which is something really big. But the UFC came back and... One of the fights when they came back was Zhang Wei Li versus Joanna. 
and I get into the story, and these these ladies, I think it went five rounds or four and a half or something, and they just, it was just, it was poetry. It was just like a, uh, like an ancient ceremonial dance in, in, in a great way. I'm not trying to demean it at all. It was just one of the better fights I had seen in a long, long time. So I got hooked. They showed a replay of that, and, and I recorded it. And I watched that fight, and I watched that fight, and I watched that fight, and before you know it, Strong Style was born. Because I just had to come on here and talk about things like that. So, to get the chance to see Zhang Weili and Joanna fight again, I was in. I was in. It, this could have been the only fight on the entire card, and I, I would have watched, watched it for eight hours. So, Weili and Joanna get into this. That's not a co-main event. It's not a main event. So I think it was only uh, scheduled to go three rounds. But instead, uh, these two were going at it, man. There, it, it was not one-sided. It, it, there was a lot of times when I was like, "Oh, Shane Weeley's going to take it right here." There's other times, well, here comes Joanna back. I really wanted Joanna to win. I had no problem with Shane won, which is what ended up happening. Uh, Joanna had not fought in a while, but she'd been training. But they'd both coming off big losses. Uh, Wei Lee's was to Thug Rose, where she oh Thug Rose caught her. You could say all you want. You could try to say well it was just a good shot or well this or no no no, no. she she got it. she got it. great shot. So this comes down about midway through the fight in the second round. Zhang Weili catches Joanna. It's over. Great fight. Great fight. When Strawweight is on fire. When, you, when these two are not even going for a belt. Just insane. Absolutely insane. And so they, they talk to Weili, obviously. And uh, then we see Joanna taking the gloves off. In the octagon. She's taking the gloves off. It's it's not just to relieve pressure on her hands, which have just been through a war. No, she's she's calling it a career. She's calling it a career, and uh, I, I have no problem with that. Uh, what a career she's had. She's still young. She says she still wants to be a uh, a business leader or manager or business. She wants to run businesses. She's, she's got other aspects things she wants to get into. And she says uh, she wants to devote time to her family. She wants to be a mom. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Nothing wrong at all. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. She closes this chapter, tells everybody what she's going to do in the future, and I actually think we're going to see her around fighting. I don't know if she'll train people, if she just comes back for guest appearances, but I, we have not seen the last of uh, Joanna Jurchasing. But those, I mean, she's... I, the UFC couldn't have, have combed their roster and found three better fights to have back to back to back to end the pay-per-view like that. That's that's just uh, it's just absolutely incredible. And and the whole card, go back and watch if you get the chance. The whole card was was uh, really really good. The uh, Jack Della, Madalena, 
KO against uh, Ramazan Amiv. Go see that one. Go see that one for sure. Uh, Jake Matthews KO over Andre Fialo. Go back and watch those. Absolutely incredible. They did a great job, as they usually do. And uh, we wish Joanna the best. Moving on. Coming up, UFC Fight Night is this Saturday. Or it looks like uh, the undercard is on ESPN News. The main event is, the main card is on ESPN. The whole thing is on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, let's go with the main card. Then we'll see if there's any undercard fights that are really piqued my interest. Calvin Cater versus Josh Emmett. Cater's a little bit of a favorite. You can't count out Josh Emmett. He's only got two losses, 17 wins. Featherweight main event. There's no, there's no titles. No need to have a title in this one. But Calvin Cater is here to prove everybody he's the next person. He's the next guy. And so I, I think you got to go Calvin. And if Calvin does what he needs to, then this needs to end in the third round. But uh, don't count out Josh Emmett, as I said. But I would take Calvin Absolutely take Calvin Cunning. And we will talk about uh, where you can go with said pick here in a minute. We've got Joe Lozon versus Donald Cerrone. We have it on pretty good authority that when this was booked, Dana White said, uh, yeah, pretty much uh, to a point, so loser leaves town. Whoever loses this is, is pretty much done in the UFC. Um, honestly, they both probably should be. Cerrone has moved on to do some acting and other fun things. And uh, it's not that he can't fight anymore, nothing like that. Him and Joe both, they can still go. It's just, you're to the end of your career, you know. But before you, you go out with your face on the mat, you know, walk out the door on your own. I'm going to take Cowboy. I'm taking Cowboy Cerrone. He is the slight favorite, very slight favorite, at only minus 170. The uh, plus 145 for Joe uh, Lawson. Take Donald Cerrone in that one. Tim Means versus Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland's a little bit of a favorite. I think you take Kevin Holland in the welterweight division there. Tim Means is good. He's really good. He's had 45 fight pro fights. I mean, he's, he's no slouch. Only 29 for Kevin Holland. But Kevin Holland needs this win to move himself up and to do some other – and to, to get back in contention where he wants to be. Joaquin Buckley. Versus Albert Durev. Albert is a little bit of a favorite here. Uh, Buckley, ever since having a few highlight reel, a few highlight reel knockouts and, and moments, uh, Buckley's kind of had an up and down last year or so. Looking to rebound here. Uh, Albert Durev is he's going to bring it though. He's he's one of those. One of those fighters that uh, you, you, you're going to have to take him out to take him down. So um, I'm actually going to take Durev in that one. I know it seems like I'm just taking the favorites. That's not on purpose. Uh, just uh, Joaquin needs to show me a little more. And if he does against Albert, then, hey, there it is. Um, six. There are six fights on the main card. That's cool. Demir Ismagulov is a slight favorite over Garam. Kudalaze. Kudalaze, rather. 
I like Ismagulov a lot. I think you got to take Karam. Karam Kudutalaze. Take take uh, take Karam in that one. Uh, Julian Marquez versus Gregory Rodriguez. This was tough. This 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 might be it, its potential to steal the show. These these two, if they if they go out and have a three round slugfest. I think they're going to be a little more methodical than that, but I'm going to take Julian Marquez in this. I think he's, he's uh, just going to bring a little bit more firepower than Gregory Rodriguez in this one. So we will we will all tune in this Saturday just to, to see how it's going to go. Oh, here's a good one. Jasmine Desidavicious is taking on Natalia Silva in the women's flyweight division. Jasmine is a very, very good Canadian fighter. Uh, Natalia, the Brazilian. That's going to be a lot of fun. I don't know if I can pick a winner in that one. Uh, if I did, probably Jasmine. I, I like Jasmine over Natalia if I got to pick one there. Uh, cards also got Court McKee, got Danny Chavez, Maria Oliveira. Uh, Cody Stamen's fighting on the undercard. Phil Hawes. Uh, Roman Deleese and Kyle Dawkins are actually going to open up the card. Pretty stacked card there as well. But uh, all that's going to be on ESPN News and ESPN. Make sure to tune in for that. Now, for where I'll be tomorrow night, that would be Friday for you guys playing along at home. This entire, well, no, the main card is going to be on ESPN. And ESPN Plus is going to carry the entire card for PFL 4. PFL 4. That is the fourth week of the season. Obviously, they play, or they do uh, six total weeks. You get two fights in those. Most points makes it to the top four. Top four, one versus four, two versus three. Winners of that take on each other in the final for a really awesome-looking title belt, and, I don't know, a million dollars. One million dollars. That's a good payday if you can get it. PFL4, your main event. I am so excited to get to see these two guys. Well, I'll be honest, there's a lot of people on this card that I am excited to get to see up close and personal and see them live. Seen them on TV for years. Main event. And let's see. This is all lightweights. Lightweights and light heavyweights or something, maybe. I have heard Either way. Main event. Clay Collard versus Alexander Martinez. Yeah, a lot of people know who Clay Collard is. Go look up Alexander Martinez if you don't know. This is going to be a classic. Like I said, I'm super stoked to get to see it live. You guys should be watching at home if you can't be there live. I still encourage you to get tickets. Come hang out. Come say hello. I'm not hard to find at these events. Uh, that being said, well, I'm not calling. I guess I'm not call, I'm not doing play-by-play, play, so I guess I can actually pick the fights. Um, Clay Collard versus Alexander Martinez. Clay Collard is so good, but I... Let's put it this way. If Martinez won, it would not surprise me. I'll take Clay Collard to win that one. 
Antonio Carlos Jr. versus Bruce Saudo. Jesus. This could be a main event if, if Clay Collard and Alexander Martinez were on the, on the card. Um, I'm going to take Antonio Carlos Jr. I think Bruce Saudo is really good. This is a battle of Brazil. But I just think Carlos Jr. is going to come out with, with more to prove, to prove that uh, he belongs in that final four. Roush Monfio is taking on Olivier Aubin Mercier. I'm taking Aubin Mercier. I like Roush. Roush always seems to come through when he needs to. I just like the Canadian for some reason. Just, I don't know, maybe he's Canadian. I have no idea. Both these fighters are worthy of a top four spot. We'll see how it plays out. Jeremy Stevens is taking on Miles Price. The ageless wonder Jeremy Stevens. That's going to be fantastic. i got to support another Jeremy, right? There's not enough of us good Jeremys out there. We're always the bad boyfriend on Hallmark movies. Look it up. We really are. I'm taking Jeremy Stevens in that one. Amari Akhmedev is taking on Theodorus Arkstoulis. I'll take Theodorus. I think Theodorus is going to beat Amari in that one. That's going to be a fun fight. Uh, Natan Schulte is taking on Marcin Held. I'll take Held in that one. Emiliano Sordi is taking on Delon Monti. I will take Emiliano Sordi. Robert Wilkinson is taking on Victor Pesta. I will take... I'll take Wilkinson. Yeah, I'll take Wilkinson in that one. Uh, Martin Hamlet is taking on Josh Silveira. I'll take Hamlet. And finally, in the uh, what should be the opening fight, Jake Childers is taking on Nate Jenneran. I will take Jake Childers in that one. Look, it's going to be fun. If you've never, if if you're a UFC fan, if you're a Bellator fan, if you're just a fan of fighting or combat sports, check out the PFL. Check out the PFL. It's going to be fantastic. I really want to see. I want to see Atlanta. I want to see my city. I always say that that Atlanta is my city. It's not my town. It's not my hometown. But it is my city. It's the biggest city near me. It has always felt like my city. It is your city. I want to see the city of Atlanta represent and show people that we can not only host great events, but that we support great organizations and fighting and everything like that. That's the only way they're going to come back. We got to show them how great we are. So Atlanta, let's show out. Let's show the PFL a good time and show them that they always have a home here in the South. Now, that's going to wrap it up for a lot of the fighting. Before we get into pro wrestling, we will take a short break to talk about our new friends, BetOnline.net. This is Jeremy the Impact York with the Board Check Strong Style and That Sports Show podcast. You guys are always asking me. You give us odds, you give us picks, where can we go? Visit our friends at betonline.net. Betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including this year's NBA and NHL playoffs, as well as Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And... BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. And we're back here on Strong Style. 
Jeremy the Impact York, welcome back. You know, we spent the first part of the show talking about UFC, talking about the upcoming PFL. Remember, come join us tomorrow night. That would be Friday night, depending on when you listen to this. Uh, Gracie's still available. It's going to be a really fun time. But now let's jump into the world of professional wrestling and some of the big stories going on currently across the board. We're going to start with Monday Night Raw. We're going to start with what is basically one of the biggest stories in, and we talked about it a little last week, but this is one of the biggest stories in, in combat sports. That is the injury to Cody Rhodes, where he tore his pectoral, his right pectoral, basically straight off the bone. John Cena did this years ago. I'm not saying he's copying him, like, or it was worse or better. It doesn't matter. But he initially tore it before the pay-per-view, Hell in a Cell. And then decided he was still going to wrestle at Hell in a Cell anyway, even though he was clearly, clearly injured. Um, and thanks to Seth Rollins' help in that match, he tore it completely off the bones, as opposed to a partial tear. Which, sometimes, and in some cases, I don't encourage people to do this, but in some cases, it is better to go ahead and tear, it, tear a muscle or tendon completely off the bone than to have a partial tear, because uh, then you... Just go in and reattach it and make it better, and you're usually good to go. But this leaves a void, because, as we've said before, Cody was probably the, the only person big enough, clout-wise, to take on Roman Reigns, to make it a crazy main event for Roman Reigns, and to potentially take the belt off Roman Reigns so that he could maybe take a break. So now they've got to build some people up because there's not another real top contender that makes sense to take on Roman Reigns. Now, I suggested Seth Rollins is, is probably the next biggest person. But I, he's got to build up. He's got to do some he's got to do some other things to build his self back up because he's had so many losses in the last what year, year and a half. So the Cody injury is really big. They they need to find other ways to keep Cody engaged and busy once he gets his pectoral reattached. And uh, I'm sure they will. But until then, Raw is lacking its top star. Uh, other than that... Lashley and Theory kind of doing pose-offs and, and things like that. That's interesting because Lashley is another guy that if you if you build him right, he could be a megastar. He could be a big star. You had a chance to back when he was champ, and then you thought it would be a good idea to throw somebody through one of the Elimination Chamber pods, and it basically derailed his his title run. And I know you could say, well, what about Brock Lesnar? Well, what about Brock Lesnar? Brock could show back up. Brock versus Roman we've seen a couple times now, and Brock didn't win either one of them. So Brock would have to do something else. You you could use Brock to build someone else. But other than that, I mean, I like I like Theory needs to, to face a lot of people like this, a lot of different people. Um, even hanging with Seth Rollins could help him a lot. He's still got a lot of edges he's got to round over, but at the same time, uh, Theory could be a big star somewhere down the road too, and he's in Atlanta. He's an Atlanta native, so it's always good to see the local guy doing well. But for now, I would have Lashley continue to get the upper hand in these, so that you can potentially build him up. 
Uh, Veer Mahan could be another guy you build up, but he's got a long way to go because he just showed up. Uh, him working with the Mysterios is making him look pretty good, but it's also getting kind of old. I want to see something different. We'll see what what kind of builds from there. Now, in the swerve that I didn't see happen, Judgment Day comes out, and it's Edge, it's Rhea Ripley, and it's Damian Priest. And then they say, here's the newest member. Ben Balor comes out, and they're all celebrating and having a great time. And to which Damian Priest gets on the mic, and he says, yeah, Edge. Or, uh, yeah, Edge, we kind of, you know, you've showed us so much, and, you, and you've showed that, and, and uh, to build this into the super squad that it is, that we need to eliminate the weak links around us. And so, via Ripley... And Damian Priest and Finn Balor all attack Edge and basically kick him out of the group he started. Wow, I didn't see that coming. And it makes sense. I like that group way better than I do Edge in it. I mean, Edge can do some other things here and there, but, you know, we didn't need Edge leading a big group like that. Let's, let's see what those guys can do. I'd put Finn in charge. And he could start kind of a, a new, I don't want to call it a bullet club, but a new faction that the, the Judgment Day. I don't know why you'd name it after an old pay-per-view, but still, that is exciting. When Edge was in charge, it's fun. I'm an Edge head from way back, from, from the original days. And that's fine. But it's like it, it. they weren't doing a whole lot. They were treading water more than swimming the channel, you know? But with Finn Balor... It opens it up. Not only does it make him super important, but his role in leading these two younger younger talents to higher things is going to be spectacular. I look forward to what the Judgment Day is going to do. Um, the storyline between KO and Kevin Owens, of course, and Ezekiel Elias... It's entertaining. It's, this is why Kevin Owens is one of the best out there. It's Having the Alpha Academy involved and some other ones is kind of fun. But in the end of it, uh, it's uh, it's pretty entertaining. You know, it's pretty entertaining what they're doing. And uh, shout out to Rhea Ripley, who won a four-way match to become the number one contender for Bianca Belair's Raw Championship. I think Rhea has the possibility to have a Charlotte-like career. A lot of success if uh, if they do it right. She's a big-time talent. Let's move on to NXT, which I would argue here lately has been way better than Raw and SmackDown, even though Raw and SmackDown haven't been bad. Um, Josh Briggs got a big win against Fawn Wagner. Josh Briggs is a heck of a talent. I like I like when he's part of a tag team, but he showed that somewhere down the road, if he had a singles run, that uh, that guy's pretty good. And it's kind of interesting that Von Wagner would, after destroying everybody recently, is, is suddenly losing to, to Josh Briggs, a tag team guy. But, you know, go for Josh Briggs. Uh, they really like Nathan Frazier getting a face 
Escobar and get to face some of the people he has recently. Uh, they really think highly of Nathan Fraser, and, and he's really good. So we'll see what they're going to do with him. He's a fun talent. If you haven't seen that, tune in on Tuesdays to, to NXT and see that. Uh, Apollo Crews is back. He dropped his accent, dropped his his uh, all of his fanfare, and, and now he's just Apollo Crews and looks like he's back in NXT. I think that is a, a welcome addition because when he comes back to NXT, he could be in that heavyweight picture, uh, whether he takes on Braun Breaker or uh, Gacy. You know, it, it's fresh opponent for a division that was starting to kind of kind of need a good turnover and a good fresh face. The breakout final, when it was Tiffany Stratton versus Roxy Perez, the right person won. I know a lot of people thought Nikita Lyons was probably going to win until she got hurt. It was possible. But throwing Stratton in to be in the final, I think, was the right call. And I'm glad she didn't win. Uh, Roxy Perez is formerly Roxy the last Ring of Honor champ before they went into their break. So uh, good for her, and her versus Stratton is something that could continue a little bit down the road because they had a spectacular match, one of the best matches both of them have had while in NXT. Um... And then we had a, uh, it, it was supposed to be a two-on-one. It was supposed to be Carmelo Hayes and uh, Grayson Waller with Trick Williams at ringside versus Solo Sokoa. And then Apollo just magically showed up and it suddenly became a tag team match. I, I guess you just can just randomly do that now. I don't uh, it's like the Freebird rule where any any two of a three-man team can defend tag titles. So, I mean, why not have the Apollo rule where he can just randomly join a handicap match and make it a two-on-two? Good match. Apollo gets the win over Grayson Waller. What does that mean? It means it was a good match. But beyond that, I don't know. We'll have to watch uh, this past weekend and see what happens. Let's keep with the WWE theme and quickly jump into SmackDown. Now, this was part of the Money in the Bank qualifier that Drew McIntyre took on Sheamus. They are real-life, really good friends. I don't know if they're best friends, really good friends. But sometimes when they get together, they fight like the hooligans that they really are. And this one uh, included Butch a little bit, and Drew dropped him a few times. These two fought all over the arena. Uh, didn't really solve much. It was a double countout, which means nobody qualifies for the Money in the Bank ladder match at this point, which is the next pay-per-view coming up. Uh, we're going to get the rematch between these two, and we'll just uh, we'll see what happens from there. But these two, these two are such a good matchup. It's borderline pay-per-view quality, and only one of them can be in that match. Well, I, mean, I guess they both could, but... We'll see what happens, because now we know that Ridge Holland is dinged up, so Sheamus and Butch could uh, kind of team up and do the New Day thing where it would be team versus team. They really like Butch. So maybe Drew wins that. But it was a double count out, but not for some you know cheap way out. They legitimately were beating the crap out of each other and anybody else around. 
Uh, Lacey Evans beat Zia Lee to qualify for the women's money in the bank. Kind of saw that coming. Lacey's on a, on a got a big rocket strapped to her back, and uh, she's uh, headed up to the, the top of the WWE there. And, and Zia Lee has, I don't know, they, they brought her up with a lot of fanfare. She's really good. Uh, she tore up NXT, was fantastic. And then she's had like four matches in six months and like three gimmicks. I just, I don't know if they just don't know what to do or if they're just bored already. I don't know. But I don't think it's anything she's doing. Gunther took on Ricochet for the United, or is it Intercontinental? Which, whichever one Ricochet has, I think it's the Intercontinental. But uh, your new champ is Gunther. Just think about that. He's barely been on SmackDown for just a couple weeks. He is already a mid-level champ. He's on his way to having a uh, pretty spectacular run very, very soon. Uh, I think he can... Ricochet was doing an okay job, but I think Gunther is going to add a lot more clout to that mid-level championship. And somewhere in the very not-so-distant future, you could see him uh, with a top-side run. Um, and then having Sami Zayn as kind of an outside member of, of Roman's crew is, is entertaining. Sami Zayn is one of the best things in WWE right now. Uh, having Riddle in there, okay. Riddle's taken up for his partner, Randy Orton, who's out. He's going to be out for the foreseeable future. We don't know exactly how long, because he legitimately got banged up uh, when the Usos attacked him and Riddle. But uh, Sami Zayn is the X Factor in there is just insane and incredible all at once. Let's jump to AEW. AEW, we'll go with Dynamite. They had a battle royal where Kyle O'Reilly actually won. And what he won was a chance to main event later in the show versus John Moxley, the number one contender. And basically, that match was to determine the number one contender who will face Tanahashi, Hiroshi Tanahashi, from New Japan at Forbidden Door, which is coming up very, very soon. Next weekend, I think. Maybe this weekend. Now think about it. Let's see, do we have that anywhere? Um. Yeah, I think it. I think it might be this weekend. But that's where New Japan and AEW are going to have a uh, a double event where a lot of their people are gonna each other, you know, face each other off. It's it's not a big contest to who wins the most, but it's just to feature some of the best talent on the planet and matchups that you thought were only dream matches. But uh, Kyle O'Reilly is very underrated singles competitor. A lot of people have not seen his singles work. Uh, I would say go watch a lot of New Japan Cup stuff in the past couple years before he got to WWE and then obviously AEW. Uh, Kyle is is very, very good striker. He is a uh, very good, uh, just overall, the strong style. That's basically what it is. It's the strong style that is New Japan. And uh, him versus Moxley, it was very brutal. The two of them... It was a war. It was a, uh, you know, you're going to have to kill me to to win this one. And the two of them uh, just absolutely tore the house down. 
of course Moxley wins. It makes more sense for Moxley versus Tanahashi. Uh, but Kyle O'Reilly showing that he could have a, a great singles run in him. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if you saw him take a run at maybe the TNT title. Maybe in the, the not-so-distant future. We got to see Buddy Matthews versus Pac. Holy crap. Blink and you missed this one. Not because it was short, but because these two never stopped moving. They were like two out-of-control pinballs on the same track. The two of them, they, they're another one. They could wrestle for eight hours, and I bet you don't leave your seat. In the end, it's Pac with the win, but anytime Death Triangle and House of Black get together, enjoy that. We had a fun, fun cameo from New Japan. We've had a couple here and there. We've had teams show up. Uh, Jeff Cobb and Great Khan showed up the other day. But it was their other three faction mates that showed up in this one. And that was United Empire, led by Will Ospreay. You don't know who Will Ospreay is. He is like English AJ Styles 10 years ago. He's innovative. He is just, he's at the, he is the crest of the wave of a lot of what some of the, the best wrestling stuff is just created each and every day. It's, uh, he's an unbelievable talent. Years ago, he had the chance to, to sign a lot of places and he re-upped with New Japan and said, no, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying here and building this right. And he's had classics against Okada, Naito, uh, even Fale. It's just just absolutely awesome. And they kind of come out and challenge FTR and Trent, Trent Beretta. So we will talk about what happened with that because on Friday's show, the AEW uh, Rampage, that's, that's where that kind of paid off. We got to see Hangman, Adam Page, versus David Finley who is Fit Finley's son. David is absolutely insane as well. He is unbelievable worker. He a lot of times teams with Juice Robinson, but Juice Robinson is currently in New Japan as he uh, just joined the Bullet Club. We will talk about him when we get to New Japan. But uh, Hangman with the win over David Finley, and then Adam Cole come out and said one of the truest things I've heard in a while. Welcome to AEW Promos. He looked at Hangman, and he says, you think you're something, right? You, you think... You know, because of this and that and this and that, you, you, you ain't done nothing. You ain't you ain't done nothing yet. You you think you're, you you want to take on Tanahashi or you want to take on these other guys from New Japan? And you got a long way to go. So the Hangman Adam Cole stuff is clearly gonna rear its head very soon, and I'm all for it. Um. They had uh, Marina Shafir against Thunder Rosa for the women's title. Thunder Rosa wins that. And then uh, Marina and some others decide that they are going to attack Thunder Rosa. Tony Storm comes to her rescue there. That could be some interesting uh, tag change-ups there for a minute. And then I can't wait to see Thunder Rosa versus Tony Storm. Uh, let's go to Rampage. Where Eddie Kingston took on Jake Hager. Kingston gets the win in that one, but uh, my goodness, Eddie Kingston, the legend of Eddie Kingston just continues to grow and grow and grow. 
and Jake Hager can take a loss because he's fine. This is a good match, though. Hager is a good matchup for Kingston. He's a big, powerful guy. We had Lethal and Satnan Singh versus Davey Vega and Matt. Was it Mitchell or Fitchell or Fitchett or? I'm not sure it was two jobbers. But they are really trying to push Singh as this big uh, new age wrestler. I'm not really buying it. Um, Red Velvet versus Statlander was pretty good until the baddies showed up and just kind of poo pooed the whole end of that. Um, then we got FTR and Trent Beretta versus Will Ospreay. And Aussie Open, which is Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis. They are an incredible tag team. For you to look them up as well after your, after about the 16 straight days of, of Will Ospreay highlights you're going to watch. Uh, definitely go check out Aussie Open. Um, in fact, Panair showed up towards the end of this, which is another friend of Osprey and Aussie Open. And uh, this this Forbidden Door is going to be fantastic. When you see all the New Japan guys that a lot of you may not be familiar with, which is fine. And then for the New Japan people who don't necessarily keep up with AEW, to see some of those guys and girls, it's, my goodness, it's, it's going to be incredible. Um... WWE, we did AEW. Oh, let's go Impact Wrestling. Then we'll finish in New Japan. Impact Wrestling started off with uh, Rosemary versus Sunil Dashwood. Seems like we're trying to build Rosemary up a little bit now that she is partnerless. I think Havoc got hurt because she's been missing for a little while ever since Masha Slamovich uh, took her out. But uh, Madison Rain jumped in, of course, to help Tennille, who is her partner, and the Ty Valkyrie come down to save Rosemary. They are former partners. Could be entertaining to see them pair up a little bit again. Not as a tag team, but just to look after each other. Uh, the Good Brothers trip to Sandy Fork was hilarious because uh, them on a farm, they, they, they're, they're very good at ad-libbing and telling really, really funny jokes. And then they met up with... Uh, with uh, Briscoe's dad, who said, I don't think you know what you stepped into. And then the Briscoes showed up, and they kind of had a, uh, a farm match. It wasn't really a match. It was a farm fight. And uh, that's that's two of the best teams out. So to see them potentially with a big payoff match down the road, I'm in. I don't know about you guys. I'm in. Um, Ace Austin joined the Bullet Club while he was over at the New Japan Cup. I think that's a fun little wrinkle. I think it's because Jay White is going to move on to do some AEW and more New Japan stuff. And so you need another member of, of Bullet Club over here. Because you've got the Good Brothers. You've got Chris Bay. So now you, you add him and Chris Bay has somebody to uh, kind of team up with. And that's I like Ace Austin as a, as a Bullet Club member. That He kind of fits the MO of, of, uh, some, of their, some of the things they need. Um, Moose and Sammy Callahan is something they're going to get into now that Callahan is back. I am all for that because I want them to sort out the, the heavyweight title 
before Callahan gets involved again because him and Moose both deserve to have the belt again. Um, that's pretty much Impact Wrestling. They had a main event, but it was yeah, it was okay. It was uh, Frankie Kazarian and the Motor City Machine Guns, aka some almost originals. I think they might all be originals. Versus Eddie Edwards, Matt Taven, and Mike Bennett. Uh, Heath Slater played a part in it as well, but uh, in trying to help Kaz and Motor City Machine Guns. But in the end, Eddie gets the win. It means nothing. New Japan. This was part of Capital Collision in D.C., an event they had a couple a week or so ago. We had Rocky Romero and Okada. Kazuchika Okada, one of the biggest stars in New Japan. Rocky Romero, fantastic. They teamed up to take on Jay White and Hikaleo from the Bullet Club. Jack White gets the win. Uh, Hikaleo is really coming along. He was not so good when he first started. He is becoming... Uh, a pretty good talent. He is, I think, the youngest of Haku's kids. Juice Robinson took on Will Ospreay, who took on Moxley, who took on Tanahashi for Tanahashi's U.S. title. Your winner and new champion, Juice Robinson, who was part of the Bullet Club. As I said, he celebrated with the Bullet Club. He's going to be another fantastic member. I could see a potential split off there. Or if Jay White takes a step back, Juice could take over. But, my goodness, anytime you can get Juice and Osprey and Moxley and Tanahashi in the same ring, uh, forget five-star classic. That might be a 50-star classic. These are four guys who absolutely understand what to do and how to do it right. And so that's 100% of what they did. That's going to do it for us this week. Shout out to all you amazing people that allow us to come on and talk combat sports, specifically pro wrestling and MMA. Remember, UFC Saturday, PFL Friday. I will be at PFL. Uh, I will try my best to do some updates. i got to see what I'm allowed to do. But I will, at the very least, hopefully do some Twitter updates, some other stuff. Follow along with us. We're going to have a good time. But I'm Jeremy the Impact Dork. This has been Strong Style. We will see you guys next week. Deuces, gooses.